everyone. Welcome to Solar Power World's first Top Solar Contractors Roundtable discussion. We're very excited to kick things off today. I'm Kelly Pickerel. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Solar Power World, and this is all in celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Top Solar Contractors list. The 2021 application is now live on our website, and we encourage any U.S. solar installation company out there to apply. It is free. So we're very supportive of our solar contractor audience here at Solar Power World, and we really enjoy getting to know everyone at these installation companies each year. My guests today are no strangers to the top solar contractors list, and I am excited to talk to them a little bit more about the solar industry. So let's get started with the roundtable. This is a companion to the Contractors Corner podcast, which we hope that you all are subscribed to for new installer conversations each month. So today we are talking about survival stories and best business practices after one year with coronavirus. I personally cannot believe that I have been working out of my home office for almost a year now doing video conferencing just like this. And we will talk today about how solar installers have gotten creative with their sales and installation practices with COVID and where we still need a little help. So let me introduce our panelists representing the utility scale market we have Mike Garofalo, who is VP of Operations at CS Energy. From Borrego, we have Joni Brook. She is VP of Operations for that large-scale installer. And here to talk about the residential market, we have Brett Bigger, who is CEO of Freedom Solar Power. And I also want to thank Scanafly for sponsoring today's discussion. And we have CEO Jason Steinberg with us today. So I thought I would get started getting to know each company and kind of how they came out of 2020 and how COVID affected them. So I thought we'd start with Mike at CS Energy. And Mike, can you tell us how CS Energy, how did, how did 2020 end for the business and kind of how did COVID affect things in the beginning and then throughout the year? Sure. Well, thank you first, Kelly, for inviting us. Uh, so 2020 was you know, definitely a challenge, uh, challenging year for, for just about everyone. Um, so, you know, I think like everyone, we in, the, in the early part, as COVID first hit, we experienced delays. And with, I think there's a lot of uncertainty and people just not knowing what was going on. Contracts were being withheld. Things that we thought we were going to sign early part of spring, early summer, really got pushed back and delayed. Um, so, but from, from our standpoint, 2020 actually turned out to be, in, in hindsight, a very good year for us. We, you know, two, two milestones of just, you know, reaching our largest revenue um, ever uh, in 2020. And another big milestone was we were able to grow our company to over 170 employees. Um, you know, I think it kind of allowed us to, to refocus on things as, you know, during the slowdown and, um, and just put new practices into place. And, and overall, it was, a, it was a very good year for us. Okay. How about you, Joni, over at Borrego? I know you guys have been focusing on commercial a lot, and you recently just kind of said you were going to move into utility scale. So, utility scale. So how was 2020 for Borrego? Um, for Borrego, 2020, actually, again, uh, like Mike was, uh, was an exhausting year for everybody. Um, and I imagine, you know, everybody is going to say the same thing. We uh, really had to focus this year on things like burnout, managing change for our employees and our customers, um, making a lot of accommodations, new accommodations, remote working skill set for 300 employees. Um, and a lot of work was went into modifying our field practices, just working around natural human nature when you're in person and, and how we modify that. But in the end, um, the year turned out to be a very successful year for Borrego and for the solar industry. Um, and I think what cinches was that last six to eight weeks of the year when um, we saw the, the markets really gain a lot of confidence. The commercial markets gained some confidence that they didn't have in the early part of the year and were able to um, hustle and hit those end-of-year deadlines to get projects booked and, and lined up for 2021. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. How about you, Brett, with, with Freedom Solar Power in Texas? How, how was 2020 for you? How did COVID affect things? You know, 20, 2020 ended up good. Um, if you would have told me 18 months ago that we were going to you know, be staring down a pandemic and everything that we went through, 
um, I would have lost a bunch of sleep. That's for sure. And then as it kind of unfolded for us on the, on the, the majority of our businesses, Resi, um, you know, we ran into a lot of the, the issues that most people did is kind of the pandemic gripped everybody around kind of the March timeframe. But if you net it all out and look at kind of how the year ended, it ended up being, you know, I don't want to say it was an, I don't want to say it was a positive turn of events. It was just a real change. Um, but the business ended up, up. we were up 80% to the prior year. Uh, we booked about a hundred million in revenue. Um, and we grew the business a ton. And so we've got a, a little over 300 employees now. And so it's been a real crazy, strange solar coaster. The, the solar industry is a solar coaster no matter what. And then you pack into it what we went through the last 12 months. And then in Texas, the last week, and it's just like, wow, it's, you, you understand yeah. why I don't have any, you understand why I don't have any hair. <laughs> but the, but the, the net net it was 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 ultimately really positive, and so we're encouraged by that. So we're excited about this next year. Awesome, yeah, that does kind of seem to be the trend with solar installation companies that it did turn out to be a positive year. I don't know, Jason, do you have any um, thoughts? Maybe just from like a manufacturer, a, a software provider standpoint, how was twenty twenty for you guys at Scanafly? Yeah, it's an interesting perspective because we obviously sit in a different role than the other panelists here, and we really see a lot of their um, patterns and themes going on. Um, I'd say March through May was fascinating from an unfortunate standpoint to watch which parts of the world and the country went into lockdown, which states considered solar contractors essential workers and not. Um, I think Generally, though, pipelines that we saw uh, froze up, but not as many of our customers had businesses get canceled. Um, so by the time we hit the summer, we noticed that the industry was rebounding um, pretty sharply in a positive direction. Um, for us, we had a record year, um, which was which was fantastic. We noticed a couple of themes, though. Um, you know, that remote selling ended up working, but remote surveying did not um, for most cases. Um, and you know, some solar contractors also ended up encouraging the homeowners to do internal survey work um, so they can keep projects moving quickly. Um, and so there are different themes like that that we are able to pick up on um, from the different contractors that we support. Okay, great. Yeah, kind of going along those lines, I'm wondering what maybe some, what were some of the immediate changes that you guys did within your installation companies? Um, that you think you might continue even as we get past uh, coronavirus? I'm thinking like physical installation. I know installation is obviously different between like the residential market and the large utility scale market. And, you know, we're doing more video conferences for sales and things like that. So how about Mike with uh, CS Energy? And it's a little bit easier to space people out on a utility scale uh, solar project. So maybe installation probably wasn't as affected for you guys, but was there anything you tried last year that you think is, is going to stick around for you guys? Yeah, I mean, yeah, more a little more spaced out just because of the size of the projects. But the but the workforce does work pretty closely together in, in groups, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever acti activity they're working on, whether it's racking or module installation. So they are in tight groups. So it was, you know, the, the physical barriers, obviously, you try to keep them spaced out as much as possible. You had the, the masks and different PPE you have them wear, where there's masks and face shields. So there's things that we've put in place. Um, you know, I think one of the things it made it made you think a little bit more about planning out exactly where you're going to work. And we you spent a little more time on that to keep crews spaced out, um, you know, throughout the array, even though they're in smaller groups. So if one individual did come down um, with an illness, um, or coronavirus or whatever it may be, it didn't affect the entire job site. Uh, and it really just affected that one small crew. So you could isolate that crew um, and you wouldn't lose production on the entire site. You would, you would lose it for that crew. Um, you know, other things we put in place were just, uh, you know, simple things like occupancy in a trailer. Um, you know, on some of the larger jobs or we might've had a larger staff, we kept, we kept smaller crew sizes or you know, workforce in the, in the trailer. And we actually rotated some of our management team home. And that allowed them also to have some flexibility because everyone's dealing not working from home sounds easy and sounds great. Um, but the whole, the whole other factor of what well, we have now, it's not just working from home, it's homeschooling. You have children at home and there's other factors outside of work 
And having that rotation, that flexibility really helped out our employees to get through kind of the personal side of this uh, and, not, and not just the, you know, not just the work side of the struggle. So, um, you know, and as far as, you know, video conferencing, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or WebEx, which I think we're still trying to figure out what's the best platform to use, um, but it's it's proven effective. Um, as much as there's nothing like a face-to-face -face meeting or a personal meeting and stop some of the visitors to the site, it was also very easy for some of our other folks in the company to get in touch with the teams now, the project sites, a little more readily available. People were quicker to jump on a video conferencing call in lieu of doing a site visit. So I think that kind of opens some things up for us and that's that's something we will definitely uh, be using in the future. Mm -hmm. Joni, what about you with Borrego? Have, um, were, was video conference calls, was that helpful with your customers? Did things get interrupted? What, what did you try and you think you're gonna continue on this year? Um, so, Video conferencing is, um, I feel, I'm feeling a little bit of the pain right now. Our, our, my internet here is glitchy. And so like, I'm, I'm getting some of the, the choppy stuff. And that's something that I think before coronavirus, we were all intolerant of, and we, uh, we prioritize being in person because, you know, internet can be a problem and time zones can be a problem and, just the lack of interaction, but um, I, I find everybody is much more tolerant now of um, of the like the inefficiencies, and they see the value that things like video conferencing has brought in the field. We had um, this year, I think, established the cleanest construction sites that I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, we had a lot of a lot of focus on um, on personal hygiene and construction. We had a lot of focus on making sure you have uh, cleaning supplies and making sure you're keeping your distance and washing your hands. And um, I think that a lot of that uh, brought value, and people are going to keep it. Um, just to echo some of the brought up, um, because we had to have that separation, um, that that social distancing in the field, a lot more work around planning, a lot more work around, you know, how are you going to access the site? How are you going to cluster into groups? Where are you going to be working during this time versus during, you know, the afternoon? How do we have clear conversations about that? And I think that really built some strong skill sets around planning and strong standard practices around planning that, um, that we don't want to give up right now. The other thing we um, are investing in as a consequence of coronavirus is um, construction software and how can we build out that software we're using in the field so that we have better communication between the field and the office and um, better communication between what's happening in the field and our engineers, for example, boots on the ground. Because that boots on the ground limits us to just that one day of us seeing what's going on, if we can improve that communication throughout the whole course of work, then we can better deliver what our customers are looking for. Mm -hmm. Perfect, yeah, interesting. How about you, Brett, with, with residential installation? How did installation change for you guys up on roofs? And, and do you also have the cleanest sites? Are you investing in hand sanitizer and everything else? <laughs> yeah, we... we uh... <laughs> We, we, we definitely experienced that on the, on the install side. I, I would say that the part of our business that was um, changed for the better had to do with how we interact with customers. So again, if you would have told me you know, a year ago, listen, you're not going to be able to sit down with customers face-to-face. -face. You're going to have to go through the selling process for a thirty dollars or $40,000 residential system for your home, and you're going to have to do it remotely. You know, we were, we were very much of the school of thought that you know, prior to this pandemic, you had to sit down with someone to have a face-to-face -face meeting and develop this report through the kitchen table and be able to have that connection to be able to sell a system is a really important part of the, the process. And I would have told you definitively that that was absolutely true. And what I found out is that 
you know, what we all found out is, wow, um, how resilient we are, right? The, today, you know, I think 50% of our appointments are now set virtually. We let the customer decide what they want to do. During the height of the pandemic, it was, of course, 100%. We were 100% using Zoom as a, as a way to communicate with the customer. And the fact that customers were able to be resilient and have a dialogue and make a decision about buying a thirty dollars or $40,000 residence for their house over a Zoom call blew me away, just on a personal level, just blew me away. And then we realized how effective it was. And so just like the logistics, um, if you think about from an appointment setting standpoint, our business is about efficiency, right? So how efficient can we be getting in front of the customer and then the, the entire process of whether it's selling the transaction or installing it, how quick can you make all that happen while providing a good customer experience? And so to, to, to give you an example, if a, if our call center can set, you know, for one energy consultant can set six appointments a day for a customer, for one of our energy consultants to go do zoom meetings and a guy can sit or a gal can sit in their living room like this and do six appointments, they can only do two or three at, best before by driving, you know, across Texas, you know, with traffic and all the logistics and nonsense of meeting face to face. So like, you know, again, it just goes back to kind of, uh, wow, leveraging the tool that was right in front of us, um, to improve efficiency in a positive way that now allows us to touch many more customers at the same time frame that in the same day that we were kind of hamstrung before. So it's, that part has been, an eye-opening experience, and I think everybody is now completely hip to the fact that, like, this is the way a lot of us are going to communicate. I think the consulting world, for example, is going to completely change. Right, the world in which you know you have to send consultants and people all over the country to meet with clients. Like, I don't think that's going to happen going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with the solar industry. I think this is just the new normal. And so, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um- Jason kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but uh, I'm wondering if your solar customers have taken on more of an active role in the project process. I know Jason had mentioned that, you know, residential solar installers are having homeowners do internal surveys and maybe taking pictures of electrical panels themselves. Just wondering, do you feel this level of customer involvement is going to last? Maybe, Brett, you can touch on that a little bit since you are interacting with those customers a little bit more closely. Yeah, I would say the customer involvement has been, um, it isn't drastically different. I think that um, what's what's been really cool is, is to see kind of the, the evolution um, of what drives people's decision-making. And this is just kind of a phenomenon that we've noticed, um, which is, you know, when, when I started doing this 10 years ago, people were very driven by um, this idea that it, there was this return profile that had to be met. Like, show me the ROI, show me the internal rate of return, show me the financial metrics, and then I'm going to make a decision based on that. And I think that, that there's this, as people are now at home and stuck at home with their families and trying to do their day-to-day you know, job functions from their home and are sucking up their electricity at home, it's this strange phenomenon where you call it, call it the election, call it what's happened the last year, call it just a shift in how people think about their role on this planet. But there's been a real shift from our customers saying, you know, um, tell me about how this project makes financial sense to me. And the shift has gone from that really to, wow, I feel like I have an obligation as a human being that lives on this planet to like make it a better place. And given that obligation that I have, just explain to me how this makes sense or doesn't. And it's just a really interesting dynamic that people, I, I feel like, you know, call it being stuck at home, call it being like part of the pandemic, part of it, you know, the vulnerability of society, whatever it is, the election, all those things that have happened in the last 12 months. What I think I've, I, it's been a really inspiring thing is to, is we've gotten to see at a front row seat how people feel obligated to do what they can to make this planet a little better place. At least not a detractor, right? At least they want to be a net, a net positive impact, you know? And that's been a really cool thing to see. So I think the decision-making process of people has shifted a lot. 
as a result of this pandemic and being stuck at home and how, you know, how they treat electricity and what the impact is to them. I think that's been a really positive in terms of that. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's kind of like there's, like you said, there's a lot of natural events that maybe are affecting people and making them decide they want to go solar and even installing storage, like it, whether it's the wildfires in California or, you know, snowstorms in Texas or, you know, hurricanes on the coast. And and so Brett did touch on this, that maybe COVID kind of affected people's opinions of wanting to go solar, but maybe um, Joni, you could tell us, like with the commercial side, did COVID accelerate any businesses wanting to go green or, or, or did COVID influence anybody wanting to do solar and storage? Um, you know, we, over the last uh, year or so, we've really been trying to make a shift in our clients to independent, to um serve independent power producers whose main goal is to like their their business is about renewable energy and um we've seen uh more and more of those power producers independent power producers want to partner with a customer that can help them weather these solar coaster weather the ups and downs weather things like uh like covid and so what we're seeing is not more IPPs on the market because of COVID, but we're seeing them have um, uh, invest more in partnerships, invest in um, in relationships, long-term relationships that span many projects um, because of the value that that partnership during during COVID seems to have have played out for them. Okay. Yeah, Mike, what about you on the utility side? Have have these large-scale projects, have they kind of become more immediate because of COVID or anything happening in the last year? Um, no, I mean, we haven't seen much of a change in the, and you call it the sales cycle of this. I think, you know, again, we had this, the slowdown up front. Um, and, you know, as, as everyone learned how to work through this, it's kind of, it's gone back at least from what we see, kind of business as usual. usual. Um, you know, some from a sales cycle, I don't think things have, we haven't seen things change. We haven't seen uh, an, an acceleration of projects. Um, yeah, there's really been no, you know, that not much difference, uh, you know, from that standpoint. Okay. I know that permitting has always been an issue and i'm wondering how has that process been in the last the last year kind of with a contactless situation have permitting offices kind of caught up have they started doing stuff remotely uh, maybe brett you can tell us what's been going on in texas yeah it's it's a mixed bag of uh, evolution to make things easier uh, and a more automated process um where we can do quick turnaround kind of permitting stuff and we can do, there, there's been some streamlining with, with some of the more progressive utilities. So in Texas, we're in a quasi deregulated market. So some of the markets we operate in are municipal and utilities. Some of them are completely deregulated. So kind of runs the gamut of, uh, of different jurisdictions and utility companies in these different markets uh, and tons and you know, thousands of AHAs. Um, I would say that the general consensus in terms of permitting has been um it's it's been a little frustrating <laughs> there's been there's been some frustration to say the least there are some markets that um you know I, you know to, uh, just to say this candidly like if you have big bureaucrat big bureaucratic entities the bigger the bureaucracy the more painful the process has been um, some of the smaller guys who are a little hip to making changes and doing things a little more um, quickly have been able to evolve. And some of the bureaucracy, bigger um, jurisdictions that we deal with have been excruciatingly painful. And so it's just kind of been a mixed bag for us. Um, but I, I think that you're going to see more and more pressure on these folks uh, in Texas for sure, right? And what's happened in the last week, the, the, the insanity of the storm and, and kind of the the impact on every citizen in the state. Um, I think you're going to see some legislative action to make things happen quicker. And that's mm -hmm. going to be, a, I think that's going to be a positive thing. And I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm already, or there's already lots of discussions about how to do that. And so that's going to be one of the positives out of this otherwise kind of 
catastrophic uh, storm situation that we had this last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, what about you? Do you have anything to add about permits? Any any complaints, any qualms you want to <laughs> well, there's, there? there's, always, there's always complaints about the permitting process, but uh, but I think, I think we, you know, we have to separate it into two pieces. The, the upfront getting a permit, kind of the administrative piece, you know, that's always been a struggle, continues to be a struggle. Um, and it's all over the place. You, you have some really small towns and counties that do great, uh, and they continue to do great. And other, other you know, sophisticated uh, areas you go into, and, and they're the worst. And it, you know, I think um, some, we're trying to go to electronic submissions where we can. It's easier. Some some agencies still require that hard copy, but they're not working in the office, so you battle when you can drop it off and when that person will be in to pick it up. So again, that that continues to be be a struggle. Um, you know, they, a lot a lot of uh, towns and counties have gone to virtual meetings and planning board meetings. So from that standpoint, it's been good. It's kind of those construction permits that you struggle with from the field inspection side we've actually i think things have moved pretty well even all even in the very beginning and maybe because it was more outside work outside inspections um we've had great success with you know whether it's just submitting photos or you know scheduling um, inspections um kind of like off off peak work hours or you know, bring inspectors in after hours, or kind of working with the inspector when they felt safe to come out, if they'd accept pictures and, and less frequent inspections, like physical inspection. That's actually worked really well, and we've seen very little issues from a, from a field inspection standpoint. Gotcha. Okay. I want to shift a little bit and talk about new products and, and things that you you did try last year and. And I'm, I'm going to turn to Jason with Scanafly. I know Scanafly customers, they use drones and, and softwares for surveying and, and designing solar sites. And Jason, you mentioned how um, maybe the surveying side, it didn't really work very well remotely. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. How does Scanafly fit into this new era of installation? Yeah, sure. So our customers have been flying drones for their surveying process, uh, obviously before COVID. Um, during the pandemic, um, especially in the early months, I think the existing customers and the new customers that came to us realized that they could grow their businesses with social distancing in mind. Um, we had one customer who had tried to do surveying remotely, and they're actually in a, a major um, metropolitan area, um, and they turned out that they had to go back and redo the survey work um, for the vast majority of their sites. Uh, and they said to me afterwards, they're doing all of their on-site surveying, uh, not remotely, right, on-site. Um, so we have seen an increased focus on on automation, on efficiency, like the other panelists referenced the other questions. Um, but part of that is using drones um, to do that for them. Um, you can actually uh, do a drone survey in the same amount of time it takes to just set up your ladder, let alone going on the roof, taking all the handheld measurements, writing it on paper, and so on and so forth. So... Um, I, I think where we had people who weren't as uh, interested in it before the pandemic, because of social distancing, they gave it a chance. And now they're realizing that they're able to do anywhere from three to five times more surveys in a given day. Um, and as you heard from some of the people on the panel here, you know, COVID froze business. But afterwards, there was a real ramp up. And I think all of us on the panel had record years. Part of handling that record volume is surveying at a faster clip getting projects through the funnel more effectively and doing it with the accuracy that the homeowners should expect. Um, so I think that is a, a theme that is here to stay. Um, and as the solar industry grows um, and more people want to do projects because your home is your sanctuary because of the environmental benefits or the resiliency needs, there's going to be more and more projects to do and solar companies are going to have to do it at a faster clip. But because more and more companies exist, there's more competition quality of a survey, quality of a system is going to also be important. Um, and so that will also be, I think, uh, a theme that stays post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I just, oh, yeah, I was going to say, Go Brett, ahead. can you expand on that a little bit since you're working yeah, in the residential market? Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll put what he said into some context in terms of like um, how it actually impacts our business. So 
we've been doing this for 10 years. We started off, you know, just like every caveman solar company, you know, out there sending guys on roofs and drawing it out. And they were very, you know, carpentry detail oriented people to lay out a layout. And, you know, those guys could do their side assessors. They could do two a day. Right. And, you know, the better they were, the more detailed they were, the longer it took, you know, it just became this like perpetually huge bottleneck in our process. And today we use drones and scan a fly and we can go with one side assessor who now never has to get on the roof, never has to, you know, pull out any kind of sketching, can go run the drone, do what it needs to do. He can do seven in a day. So I go from two to seven. So a heck of a lot faster. And the accuracy is goes through the roof. So, I mean, these like the solar, the solar industry is a thin margin, is a thin margin business. I don't care where you are in the, I don't care where you are in the value chain. It's just, it is just a thin margin business. Unless you're maybe, you know, in the, in the solar financing game, that's maybe a little different story, but everybody else that I've seen is operating, whether it's commercial, whether it's utility, whether it's residential, what part of the, the segment or the, the market you service, um, they're just really thin margin businesses. So using technology to be able to improve efficiency, accuracy, and, and ultimately improve margin is what's so critical. So whether it's, per, you know, getting permits done faster, I think that, you know, is anything you can do to make, you know, volume happen faster and more efficiency behooves the customer because it lowers the price and it behooves the market because more people will adopt it. And so like, this is just a, this is like the best example ever of like, oh, how do we use technology to majorly improve our business? Drones, like <laughs> from two to yeah. seven in a day. So. Kelly, I just want to add. I just want to add one more thing to Brett's comment. Um, I started my career in solar as an installer, um, and a lot of our team members are in, former installers, designers, surveyors. Um, but in particular, for an installer, um, when you get a final design, um, and, and I imagine there's some, there's probably some similarity to this as we go to larger scale projects. You know, so maybe Mike and Joni uh, see similar things. Um, but when you get a final design, if it's not accurate, you're having delays during the installation that could delay permitting or inspections that could require a change order that could get expensive quickly and that could delay the entire process. Um, and, you know, the, the more new technology that can benefit um, the people who are actually putting the, you know, the panels in place, um, the faster the process can go, um, the more volume you can work through. But a lot of times we hear you know, and I know this from being an installer, you, your voice isn't actually heard about that morning that you wasted your entire time trying to fit that, you know, figure out where the last panel fit, right? Or um, going back for uh, a new design and then having to check with your financing partner to actually approve that new design before you can go and install. Um, so I think a lot of the discussion we're having around efficiency, around new technology, um, will be here to stay because a lot of parts of the value chain that don't often have a voice in the discussion of a project like an installer will actually now be considered um, essential and really part of that process. It's a more holistic process, and I think technology can definitely help um, enhance that. And I think that's definitely a theme that's here to say. Yeah, Joni, what kind of did you try any new technologies with Borrego? Any new softwares that kind of helped you guys get through the past year? Um, so, uh, expanding on the drone conversation, you know, we have used drones in a handful of ways over the years. Um, and recently this year, in addition to thinking about drones on that early end, the planning, the designing, surveying side, um, we really have talked about using drones on the back end of a project, um, drones for commissioning, for, um, O&M services, we're getting more involved in using drones. And then drones just because of the limitations in travel this year, uh, we can't always get people out to site. We can't get them from job to job as effectively as we want. And so we've been talking about um, uh, using things like drones, technology like drones or um, or Procore, you know, other field technology to monitor and support the job while it's in construction, um, to check the status of the project, um, benchmark, you know, where you are right now and share that information with someone who can't be there in person. Mm -hmm. 
How about you, Mike, with, with CS Energy? I'm wondering even, were there delays with uh, getting supplies of pro- product? Did you did you turn to other products? Did you did you try anything new last year? Yeah, I think it, it kind of opened our, our our eyes and doors to uh, uh, other vendors, you know, maybe that we would not have considered before. So I think it kind of opened things up. Um, yeah, there was you know delivery issues. I think across the board on you know with some with some products. Um, so so for sure there. And um, I mean, drones again. I think very similar to what to what uh, Joni was saying. You know, we we found the use of drones, and now even on the back end with infrared scanning and, and the testing, commissioning, and kind of like closing out of a project and troubleshooting, um, just extremely helpful. Um, and you know, we've always used it, you know, for internal purposes, for photos and, and progress as to what's going on. But now we're using it for inspections. You know, again, our engineers can't get to the field when there's questions or issues, but you can give a real time photo of something, zoom in on it, and you can have a real time discussion instead of having that engineer in the field. This is almost, this is just as good. Um, so you can do real time inspections, uh, whether it's with drones or, or, or different cameras out there. Um, so very, very beneficial in this. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to Brett real quick. Uh, Brett, you said that you guys have moved maybe like 50% of your sales conversations have been virtual and through video conferencing. Have you been using a specific software or were you are you just turning to like a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams? What are you using? Yeah, we're we're just we're we're just using Zoom. It's working for us. Um you know, the the other the other the kind of change that's happened related to that is, you know, it becomes really obvious that as you go through these big kind of, whether it's COVID or whether it's the situation that we went through last week, at least in Texas, in terms of like a huge, um, everybody losing power and water and um, turning into a, a total survival survival episode, um, the communication with your people is a critical thing, right? So as the CEO of the business, we started to do I did weekly all hand calls every Monday morning with all of our employees to say, here's what's going on. It was kind of a crisis management thing that started. And that was back in March. And it became evident to me that like, wow, like I still do them today and I'll, I'll, I'll do them indefinitely because it's such a great way. And I continually get feedback that says, wow, you know, I work in the design department or I work in the, you know, Colorado office and I don't know what's happening here. And to be able to sit on a call and just say real quick from my desk, here's what's going on this week. Here's what happened last week. Here's the priorities. Here's things we're working on and have a quick 30 minute call to update everybody. That like, that wouldn't have been something that would have dawned on me, you know, 18 months ago to do through a video conferencing platform. And now it turns out is like one of the most effective ways that I can communicate with all of our employees really quickly. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're going to keep doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to encourage everybody that is joining us today for this conversation. You can submit some questions in the Q and a box there at the bottom of your screen. We're going to, we're going to take a, a few more minutes to, to talk together, but yeah, you can submit some questions. I thought in the meantime, we kind of close just talking to everyone and, and see what you're most looking forward to this year. Maybe what's your outlook on solar, on storage, on just what 2021 is, is going to bring us. And maybe, Mike, you can start us off. Sure. I mean, uh, 2021 is going to be a challenge. I don't, you know, I don't think COVID is going anywhere. Um, and even if it does go away, it's going to bring a whole new set of challenges to go back from the new normal back to an old normal. Um, I think so. That's, there's there's going to be a challenge uh, either way this goes. Um, you know, what we're looking forward to, look, we're look, looking forward to growing the business. And again, great year in 2020. We're looking to, to grow more. We've got a lot of projects under our belt now, but, um, you know, looking to, to grow uh, in revenue and also still looking to expand our team. And, um, and uh, you know, uh, as much as the, the the virtual meetings and things have been working out great and, and continuing our business, um, I would personally looking forward to the day when I can hop back in a, on a plane without without giving it a thought and without planning out, you know, getting tested before I go to the job and making sure I have a little uh, I have clearance. I'm looking looking forward to, to going back to that type of travel again. <laughs> of course. 
Joni, what about you? What's Borrego's? What's what's your outlook on 2021? Um, I am still very positive. I think you have to be positive in this solar coaster industry. I think 2021 for Borrego is going to be one of the best years we've got on record. We recently um, uh, stood up our utility scale um, division. And at the end of last year, we sold the first couple utility projects and we're um, working on building that division this year. We've, um, we've, uh, we've identified different, a couple other different um, components of our business. We've got a really growing development side that's now um, really off and running. We have our O&M side that just had a record year and our EPC, our, sorry, I think I glitched. Our EPC <laughs> services um, are, are really um, uh, taking advantage of the, the drive that came out of 2020, the like kind of trial by fire um, through everything that went on in 2020. I think the employees we have are more dedicated than ever, more flexible, more problem solving um, and team oriented. And we're really gonna reap the benefits of that in 2021. How about you, Brett? You just got over this this crazy last week. So, how does the rest of the year look for you? Yeah, I'm 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 very very bullish. I mean, just from our, our business standpoint, we're trying to we feel like we can get you know, we can more than double the business. We can get to billion of revenue. Um, we can go grow into some new markets that um, that we're already rolling out here in Q1 in terms of new states. I mean, I think the general consensus here is, you know, if you've been in the solar industry for a while, um, you know, if you were in Texas, for example, there were some headwinds that we were facing, right? The price of natural gas and, you know, the political outlook and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in the last you know, five months here, the world has changed, right? I mean, you know, there's this whole environment that's changed politically this policy stuff is being changed in terms of ITC and how that, all the detail of that. Um, you see the public markets are, I mean, the public market's reaction to what's happened is jaw dropping, right? If you're a publicly traded solar company, you're trading at double what you used to four months ago. Um, and then you look at the future of what's happening, whether the, it's the expansion of kind of electric, you know, EV vehicles, um, to the insanity that happened in the state of Texas, you know, last week, um, all of this stuff. I, I'll put it in perspective for you. Um, this weekend, we set one thousand appointments, residential appointments, and our average two weeks ago was seventy a day. So <laughs> that should put in that, that should like quantify what the catastrophe that we just went through in the state of Texas last week. Like everyone is like, wait a minute, hold on. Okay. The things you've been saying about like owning your power and like unreliability of the grid and like the risk of that and the price of power going up and all the things that people in the solar market talk about, whether you're Mike talking about utility stuff or Johnny talking about commercial or me talking about resi, the people who were selling this stuff are all saying the same thing, right? It's, it's generally the same trend. And all of a sudden, in one week, all of that stuff came true in a way that I haven't seen anywhere, seen it happen anywhere else in the country. And so, yeah, am I bullish on 2021? Hell, yes. <laughs> 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 um, Brett, I'm wondering, do you have a crystal ball view of even financing? Do you think, uh, is financing going to change at all? Are you going to see more third-party financing, more out-of-pocket? What do you, What do you think? Yeah, so the the um, the, the the financing um, eighty five percent of our deals get financed today using you know the providers that are out there today. Um, that that market, um, I, I think you continue to see, you you will continue to see consumers finance projects using the solutions that are available. I also believe that the solutions that are available are going to change. And evolve. I think that there's a lot of 
that, that, that market, um, I think we've all seen it. I mean, I, I, just to speak off the cuff, I mean, you watch what loan, what loan pal is valued at today, valuation wise. Um, what you see sunlight being valued at, um, is those companies are, you know, billion dollar companies that have come online very quickly to solve this problem. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that particular market in terms of competition, the cost of capital, how efficient it becomes, how, what the availability is, who has the leading market share. I think you're going to see some stuff change is my guess. Um, because it's changed really rapidly and uh, there's things about it that are somewhat inefficient today. And I think as that market becomes more efficient, you're going to see, you're going to see changes happen there. Um, and I think those changes will be positive for consumers and those changes will ultimately lower the price of solar, which I think behooves everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But I get, I get how we are where we are today. It's not to take anything away from those guys. They've done a great job. Um, but I just feel like that market in particular, um, also with, you know, you know, we've got a commercial side of the business too, like, um, that does what similar stuff to Joni. And, um, I think you're going to see more financing solutions on the commercial side where tax equity comes down to these, what would be previously conceived, perceived to be smaller projects that are actually pretty darn attractive. Um, where you can go in and finance these projects. There's not a way to finance commercial solar projects today in a loan product that's more than 10 years, period. Like, unless it's a one-off deal with some bank that doesn't do it very often, I think that's going to change. So um, anyway, don't let me get started on this. I can play off on a soapbox. <laughs> so, I, I, I saw yeah. another good question come through that maybe I, I want to direct to Joni. Um, with with your company growing and, and this continued expansion and you guys getting in more into utility, are you having trouble finding qualified help? Are you, um, do people have that solar experience or, or what are you seeing with your employees? Um, you know, I think it spans a couple things, uh, both the employees that we we hire for our internal uh, scope that we take on in-house and the subcontractors that we're looking for to help us partner and build the sites. Um, it, you know, the, the change that, Brett, you're seeing on the residential side where more and more people um, are interested in renewables, more and more people might have it on their own house or neighbor's house or family member's house. They understand renewables now in a way they didn't before. They buy in in a way they didn't before. And that opens up you know, people all along the value stream who are interested, someone who maybe before was interested in um, engineering, but focused on skyscrapers and bridges. And maybe now they're thinking more like, hey, solar, like there's more exposure and interest in, um, in solar as an industry, as a career, as a, um, a focus and a skill set. And uh, when I say solar, I mean solar, battery, wind, renewables as a skill set and as a, a viable long-term commitment here. So um, I think everybody has the same problems that we're having just with the labor market in general and finding qualified people, but but this this commitment and, and re-energizing um, of the, the renewable market is only going to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Jason, with, with Scanafly, I know you guys are kind of in a growth area too um what are you expecting for 2021 and and how how are you finding good employees interested in solar you know i remember 10 years ago when i was installing and you'd be on a roof finishing up a job and you'd look off into the horizon and if you saw another rooftop in that neighborhood with solar uh, you were in a, a high concentrated area <laughs> and we've really come a, a, a long way i i definitely echo um brett's sentiment that the mainstream discussion is different now than ever before. Um, the amount of friends who I have personally asking me 
you know, I want to go solar, who should I call? And then I, you know, I, I look at who our customers are and I say, call X, Y, and Z. They're, they're doing great work. And I refer them to our customers. It's unlike it's ever been before. Um, you know, I, I, I expect 2020 to be having to have its challenges like 2020, but I, I'm very bullish, especially in the residential and commercial markets. Um, you know, people are still home um, and home is still their sanctuary and solar at the end of the day is a home improvement project. Um, so I'm very bullish on the market. I do know that on the contractor level, there are plenty of contractors who still believe if I don't touch the asphalt shingles myself, I don't know the measurements of a system. We've gotten yelled that at conferences as an example. And um, I am hopeful and I believe 2021 will continue to usher in new efficiencies, new automation, new digitization and new technology. And I think more contractors will be open to it, um, whether it's because the fellow contractor down the block is doing it or um, by they have to, right, because of the conditions. Um, so I'm, I'm bullish on this year. I also think that um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when things normalize because I do know that for a lot of our customers, for most of the contractors out there, this, this has been challenging. Um, and there's additional stresses that they're balancing in their personal lives and also keeping their, their businesses going, whether it's mom and pops or national players, um, you know, that when COVID elapses will make things a lot better. So very bullish, but um, looking forward to when things can normalize with new technology as part of the workflow for, for the contractor world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad to hear that 2020 wasn't entirely terrible for everyone. You, you did have some positives come out of that. And it sounds like 2021 is going to be another really fantastic year. So I want to say thanks to everybody for joining us today. Please join us next month for another roundtable. This time we will be focusing specifically on residential sales and software advancements. We have a whole bunch of roundtables scheduled for this year in celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Top Solar Contractors list. So please check our website for what is upcoming. Our website is solarpowerworldonline.com. And like I said earlier, the 2021 application is now live. The application portal is live. So please get those numbers in. We have some extra goodies planned for this year's listees on the top solar contractors list. So you definitely will want to be involved. So thanks again to Scanafly for sponsoring this great conversation. And thank you to all of our panelists. Thank you, Mike, Joni, Brett, and Jason for joining us. And so until next time, thanks for listening in. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.